It's part one, but you don't need to know anything about that. We're just going to get cracking on here with part two. It's myself, Mark Robinson at Lithium Project, uh, my co-host of the Grab Up, Brian Rose at BR, is it BR26? Yes. It is BR26. I knew it. Yeah. And our very, very special friend here, Joel Pearl at Joel Pearl. Joel, thank you once again for joining us for an unexpected second recording of this. Uh, it's very much appreciated that you've taken the time to do this. 24 hours later, there's no one else I'd want to sit with to talk about these awards. <laughs> Let us get cracking on. And I'm very conscious of the fact that we uh, we still haven't made it through the B Awards yet. And we spent two whole hours uh, as it is. So my plan <laughs> we had a lot is... a of things to say. We did. Hey, look, it was a busy year. It was a very busy yeah. year. So my plan is yeah. we've got about seven or eight, maybe nine categories left for the B Awards. Uh, I'm just going to throw it to Brian, then to Joel, then to me. I'm going to give you five, six minutes. You rock through the categories. You give your picks. You give a you know a couple of sentences here or there, and then from that we'll finally get on to the 18 nominations using the Wrestling Observer Awards, uh, so we can you know really get to the meat of 2022. So Brian, I'm going to fling it over to you and uh, tell me what you got. Okay, well, what, what category are we starting with? whatever whatever you, you basically i'm leaving it to you to to do the rest of your beats oh so i just so, yeah running you, you, them down you run okay. through you run through the gamut okay so for best pro wrestling book i put down brand gerwitz's book i thought that was really good that came out i think later in the year and that was pretty good i i enjoyed reading it on the flight to chicago oh uh, let's see where did we leave off uh well there any Brody... other... I was going to say, were there any other books of note last year? Because I feel like it was Moxley's no, the year before. So. I don't know if Moxley's... I don't know when it was. Yeah, written. Moxley's book was the year before. Right. Okay. Because I'm still intending to read that thing, but, you know. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was... I read about half of it. It's, it's very good. Uh, Bruiser Brody Mem Memorial Award I gave to John Moxley. Because, you know, <laughs> it goes, goes without saying... That the best brawler of the year was uh John Moxley. Yeah, I'm technical flat out. Yes, agreed. Yeah, yeah. I'm look. Uh, yeah, I, I'm there as well. I mean, the thing with Moxley, apart from the fact that he bled in just about every match of last year, <laughs> yeah. Um, but he, you know, it's always good when you get a different, like a bunch of different wrestlers to wrestle your style, and you know, regardless of whether it was like the Wheeler Utah match or Takeshita. Uh -huh or Hangman Adam Page, who can do the brawling as well. Like, all of the, you know, the Jericho match as well. Like, all of these different matches that incorporate a much more physical side out of these wrestlers. And, you know, it's just, it's Moxley's forte. Like, the Utah match is probably, like, one of my favorite matches of last year um, that I keep forgetting happened. But every time I think about it, I'm like, oh, yeah, that match fucking rocked. Um, so, yeah, like, by far, Moxley uh, takes that award. Yeah. I completely agree. I mean, just a brutal year, a brutal year for for John Moxley in, in in a good way. Poor Renee, by the way. Like Jesus, <laughs> she has to watch him every week. She's fine. She's she's got the baby. She just she just puts all of her all of her focus on the baby, and then John comes home, and it's, <laughs> everyone's happy. No one's like if, if if someone wanted to take off like toughest like personality or toughest non wrestler, like she takes it by far. But God bless her. Uh, baby, you know what you were getting when you married me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, best technical wrestler with uh, Zack Sabre Jr. 
yeah. he usually wins that award. I think he, this is like his ninth, tenth year in a row. He's, I think, Brian Danielson actually came back and won it one year. But uh, I mean, there's like him, there's Jonathan Gresham. You can go with Danielson if you want to, but Danielson's kind of more. I don't know. Saber is more of the guy who, you know, when you, you see him go into the ring and, and do, do a match, that's that's the style he's familiar with. That's the style you're going to see with him. I think with so Gresham, think, sorry, I sorry to cut you off. I think with Jonathan Gresham, you could have had him there. He would have won if the second half yeah, of this year hadn't completed. If he had been out. more, yeah. if he had been around more this year in a major company like New Japan or, if the AEW thing actually did work out, maybe there's a case there, but yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement. Like he, he's, his first half of the year um, was his like first half firing of the year on was all good. cylinders. Yeah. Um, now he's with impact full time. Like I, I think that he's in a good place to, uh, uh, yeah, I think there's a, yeah, there's a bare chance he can be in contention uh, next year. Yeah. And I, I think the thing with Danielson at this point is, and I, I don't blame him for, for this, but he has kind of reached that, um, sort of like late era Bret Hart slash Ric Flair where he's not completely playing the hits, but you can kind of tell his matches sort of note for note where certain moves are going to be, where even to like this point, I mean, you know, Zack Sabre Jr., he's about the same age as me. He's about 34. Um, every match is different and every match can end differently. Like the match to today at Wrestle Kingdom, like with Narita mm-hmm. just ended immediately. And I think that plays yeah, into what cool. makes his style so appealing um whereas you don't get that as much with with danielson anymore which is unfortunate but also <laughs> i'm not going to blame danielson because you know he, he's wrestled a very physical style for the last 20 years but that's neither here nor there yeah most charismatic mgf you want to elaborate that's who i went with do you want do you want to do you want to add anything to that or or, or i'll jump mm, i mean uh He's, and again, when we're going to talk about best on promos, if we did or didn't last time, I forget. But uh, MJF is a, a guy when he goes out to the ring and starts speaking, whether or not he's cheered or booed, people react to him. He has very natural charisma. Um, just really, really good at uh, at doing what he does, whether it's getting heat or whether it's uh, you know, people. There was a uh, some a few moments in uh, 2022 where he was cheered, or they, and he, they also wanted you to for it, kind of wanted you for it to, to to cheer him. But um, I, I I mean, there it's just he's just very good, very natural at uh, whatever they want him to be, and he he's he's very good at getting a reaction. I think that that's the kind of criteria I'm looking for when it comes to most charismatic. So that felt like a the most natural fit was to go with MGF. My vote went to Eddie Kingston. Okay, that's another one. Every time Eddie Kingston puts a microphone in front of his face or some sort of recording apparatus, I'm listening. Because he, I, I like MJF. One thing I always criticize MJF on is the way he overmodulates his voice when he's trying to make a point or trying to get heel heat. It's just screaming for him is good enough. Whereas with Eddie Kingston, I feel like he can really ride the wave of his own emotions in his promos and just the way that he emotes in a match. Uh, and, I, and I go back to the promo that he cut at the end of the zero hour going into the last pay-per-view in a full gear. And, and everyone was just like, this is the guy. Like, this is yeah. the guy I want to see pitch me on every single show moving forward. Uh, and stuff like that, you know, 
the charisma from Eddie Kingston for me is is always there. It's always on. So I, that that's why he's got it for me. It's it's not a one to one comparison, but with Kingston, sometimes like when he's doing the uh, kind of like lower measured promos and stuff, you can kind of see where the Jake Roberts. I don't know if it's influence or at least the comparison is done yes. where. Like, you know, like Robert sometimes with his promos, well, most of his promos, there's there's no screaming, there's no shouting, but there's yeah. an intensity and there's a believability that comes across. And, you know, Kingston has that in, in spades. Um, yes. I, I actually, I went with uh, Swerve Strickland uh, because okay. that man just, charisma just pours out of that man. And um, I'm so excited for him in 2023. Um, I, I loved the, the tandem of him and, and Keith Lee. Um, and I, I feel like their reign ended a bit too early, but you know, I it made sense yeah. with the acclaimed. Uh, but just him to kind of really go on his own, I'm, I'm so excited for him in 2023. Um, yeah. and he just, yeah, he's I'm he's, ready for him as a singles. I want to see how yeah. he does as a singles. It's it's disgusting how much swag that man has, but <laughs> yeah, but. I want to see him without the two guys that they just put next to him. Uh, I don't mind them. I there's a Look, they the still one haven't with... named the baseball player yet. No, the one like... with all the prison tattoos. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's a look. Um, I'm not going to critique anyone on on their their personal choices in terms of yeah, tattoos. Sure. But hey, they look distinctive. They've got that. Yeah. And and like Parker is much more fucking. He's better off with uh, Swerve than he was in. Uh, what the fuck was he in? Uh, Trustbuster. Trustbusters. Trustbusters. Yeah. I, I think that's a thousand. Drop that one day. So, it's still going. Yeah. Still, I, I guess it's still going. I, I they just no never idea. explained why Parker left, and that's they just fine. yeah. If anybody knows anything about me, it's that I am not Parker's biggest fan, and that when he popped up as one of Swerve's lackeys, I was like, "You gotta be kidding me!" <laughs> <laughs> I got so many tweets that night, just be like, "How you feel?" I'm just like, "This sucks so much," <laughs> but I understand why Swerve would be a very charismatic vote for you. Uh, of the year, I went with FTR Briscoes because those three matches were all excellent. I kind of wish that there was more promos and back and forth between the two, but of course that couldn't happen because of, uh, I guess because of Warner Brothers Discovery. I think that's the prevailing theory. Um, but all three matches were excellent. The Super Card of Honor match, the uh, Death Before Dishonor match, I believe it was at, at that show. And then the one at Final Battle, all excellent, excellent, excellent tag team wrestling bouts. Um, there wasn't a stronger series of matches th- this year than the, than that, so I went with uh, FCR and Briscoes. Punk and MJF for me. That was... That was also a very good feud. Yeah, to me, it really... I liked the layers. I liked the story. There obviously could have been more, but there was just a lot that happened behind the scenes with both men. Um, but everything that led up to that dog collar match alone was just to me, a standout uh, performance for both men. So Duncan MJF, that's my feud of the year. In in some ways you could also say it's the most disappointing feud in the year, just in terms of, we didn't get the final payoff for it, but uh, you know, look, that's out of everyone's hands, out, out of everyone's control. So we're going to do, yeah, I, I went FT on Briscoe's as well. Um, I, I do understand to some degree the idea that it, it would have been nice to have more promo work between them, but I actually kind of like the fact that we had this three match series that went, you know, the span of about nine months, 
but we didn't have to have nine months of television to go with it because we would have been sick of it. But as, as fantastic as these four wrestlers are and the promos that would have been cut, we'd have been sick of it in a way that, you know, certain other feuds that happened in AEW that went the span of about nine to 10 months, um, you know, uh, we we were sick of them by the end. So I, I kind of like the this different dynamic to it. Um, and yeah, all three matches were incredible. So, yeah. Yes. Okay, best bo- box office draw. No idea. <laughs> this is a tough every year as as the years go by, it gets tougher and tougher to determine what is a box office draw in uh, 2022 or whatever. And like I was saying before the show started, um, like the one biggest draw was on December 30th when John Cena came back, and uh, ratings jumped. I think uh, the, the the arena sold out, or maybe it already sold out. I don't know, but I, I mean. The one last true box office draw based on name value is, is John Cena. And I mean, who else is there? Uh, I mean, you can look at New Japan, I guess, or, or AEW, but even I mean, then it's like we'll see how nobody Mercedes, really stands out. We'll see how Mercedes Monet does this year. No comment. <laughs> I'm afraid this is still my box office draw. I don't want them to go after me. <laughs> <laughs> Good job, Mercedes. Yeah, I, I have I have nothing for box office. It's it's the one category that I, other than anything MMA related, that I don't care about. So, yeah, I, I have nothing in mind. Women's wrestling MVP. I went with Bianca Belair, and a lot of this is because I did not watch a ton of Stardom this year. Mark did. He can he can put out his uh, opinion on women's wrestling MVP, but. In terms of what I watched this year, Bianca Belair just had a tremendous year uh, with matches, uh, a bunch of great matches. Uh, she's on on point with promos, presentation, everything. I think she's just had a really, really great year with uh, matches with Bailey, with uh, with uh, Becky Lynch uh, at WrestleMania. Uh, just really good stuff. So I, I went with Bianca. Nothing to add. I have the same pick and uh, can't really add anything else that you haven't put out there. Yeah, look, Bianca's a, a really strong choice. I, If you're looking specifically at North America or, or WWE, uh, she's a, a solid, rock-solid choice. Um, I ended up going with uh, Seiya Kamitani, who is the uh, current Wonder of Stardom champion. She held it throughout 2022. Uh, she won it at the end of 2021, and um, she took it off of Tam Nakano, who was my MVP of the year prior. Um, Kamatani has basically been like the workhorse champion of, of stardom this year. Uh, you know, Suri up until the very end of 2022 was the, the world of stardom champion. Um, but I found, even though I, I rated quite a lot of her matches around four stars, um, she never peaked that much higher where with Kamatani, she had a range of matches. Um, and I think it's just, she has a bit more of a flashy, um, acrobatic style to her. She does remind me in some ways of, of, of like a female Koto Bushi, not just because she does a Phoenix splash as her finisher, um, but she has a tremendous presence about her. She has a great look. And, you know, like it, it doesn't surprise me that she held the uh, the second tier title in, in stardom for all of 2022. And as the company, you know, is looking to make uh, bigger inroads in North America and, you know, bigger exposure in partnership with New Japan in 2023, I it wouldn't surprise me if... Um, if Kamatani is a big, big part of that. So, 
yeah, I, I look forward to seeing more of her in, in 2023. Danny Hodge Memorial Award, uh, not which is a non-heavyweight MVP. I went with uh, Phoenix because every time I see Phoenix in the ring, I think, wow, Phoenix is one of the best wrestlers in the world. He's just incredible at, at what he does. And uh, just an incredible year, especially towards the end with all those matches uh, with uh, Death Triangle and Elite. Just always stood out there. Stood out every time he, he wrestles. He's very, 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 very good. One of the best wrestlers in the world. So I was it this year that he got his arm injury as well? Because like I remember that I was at the very start of the year. Um, Yeah, like to to I remember that because I had to do like six or seven posts in a row, and I I saw that injury. I'm like, oh, there's another post. Yeah, to be kind of recognized as one of the better wrestlers of of the year, let alone like heavyweight style. And start the year with that very very nasty injury speaks to the the quality of his work. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but he came back and he was excellent. Uh, my Danny Hodge Memorial Award nominee was Black Taurus because okay. he, he's all, he also had a very good year. A very good year. He is, wherever you see him, he's always just magic in the ring and he's just solid. Like there's no other word I can use for this guy because he's so big and just so perfect for what he does in the ring. He is solid. So Black Taurus is my guy for this. Yeah, I really want to see so much more of him. I I feel like he's so underutilized. Yeah, um, and like yeah. he's just such a great base for other like junior heavyweights. But at the same time, he's you know like if you think of other heavyweights that could fly around, like say like a Joe or whatever, he's that. But even more so, uh, yeah, I I'd love to see more of Torres. He's he's a great pick. Uh, for me, I I went like Mike Mike Bailey um just okay. you know like one of my wrestlers of the year and i guess of my wrestlers of the year he's the the lightest one so i think technically he qualifies for this um just you know he's done everything this year he's been x division champion um he has wrestled everyone and then some and had incredible matches with all of them um i would say the one thing for his style uh, he does have a list of moves and he will do every single one of them in every single match. And he is going to destroy his knees by the time he's about 35. So Mike, you can calm it down this year, please. Like you don't have to do an ultimate weapon onto the ring side apron. You just don't please <laughs> for everyone. Anyway. European MVP. I went with, uh, Will Osprey because I did not watch a ton of wrestling in Europe this year. But every time I heard about stuff from Europe, it's Will Osprey had this great match with X. So that kind of sounds like a good choice. I'm not 100% like confident in it, but uh, that's probably what I'm going to go with. I think I'm in the same boat. I just don't have anyone yeah. else. And I know that people who are watching you know, over in Europe are just going to be like, no, it's this person, it's this person. But yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll tag on with Will Osprey. Yeah, look, he he certainly um, was the the flag bearer for uh, for Rev Pro for most of this year. He's uh, two most notable matches at the start of the year with Michael Oku, um, and then the match where he lost the belt to RKJ. Two very different matches, but um, you know, sp- speaks to the level of adaptability that Osprey has with his matches. Um, I went with uh, two of his stablemates. I actually went with both Fletcher and and uh, Mark Davis of Aussie Open um, okay. because yeah, great year. They, they, 
they have had a tremendous year and they've kind of been like the standouts in uh in europe for a while now um they were hampered a little bit by covid and then davis uh, he had a knee injury that you know kind of stalled them but they've picked this up was the right year where they, they came back off. and they really made a name for themselves both in europe and in japan and in the us too they had that match on dynamite that was really great Once yeah joined united empire that was like yeah, that was the beginning of their ascent because I saw Aussie Open in 2019 when they were just a like a, a well-known tag team that people wanted to see, and this was in Toronto, so people were just like all over them as a tag team, and they've only gone upwards from there despite the injuries and and COVID. But uh, yeah, that, that's a good show. With them. Yeah, and just across the board, and you know, the probably the most famous match they had in Europe this year would have been the FTR match from Royal Quest, which was a tremendous fucking match. Uh, but they had a bunch of other matches throughout the year with like Sunshine Machine, the Velocities, which is like one of their kind of more famous um, opponents in Australia um, that they were over in Europe for a while. And yeah, just uh, I, I think it's just they had a, a much, they had a bigger output of matches in Europe than Osprey. Um, but you could also argue that Osprey reached a higher peak maybe. Um, but I think like the Aussie Open FTR match is, you know, like one of the best matches of the year, certainly in Europe. So uh, I, I don't think any of us are wrong. I'll say that much. Mexico MVP. I went with Vikingo because uh, he, had, uh, he had a breakout year, just tremendous match after tremendous match with, uh, you, you know, so many great wrestlers. Uh, the, the match I, I just watched uh, a few days ago with, uh, I believe it was Phoenix. Uh, they had a tremendous... No, it was Bandito, sorry. Uh, Bandito and uh, Vikingo just had a tremendous match. And they had this completely awesome spot where it was like a, a reverse Dragon Run or something. I don't even know how you do that. And I, I can't stop thinking about that, that spot. Uh, j just a great great run of opponents uh just tremendous uh, tremendous year for him so i and, and in, in a year where i didn't watch like a ton of lucha libre but i did watch most of the major triple a shows all the triple manias and uh this most recent show so i'm going to go with uh with vikingo vikingo was on my list i ultimately decided with pentagon jr or okay yeah he has Zero m because the viano match yeah that viano match that he had at triple mania that was so good and so bloody but even the lead oh yeah matches the the two matches that he had at the other triple mania shows those were really solid matches he's just yeah he's just a really good performer especially in mexico i don't want to yeah. say he doesn't give a shit when he's working AEW, but gives a little bit more when he's working triple a he, he lets phoenix stand out absolutely and i understand why to a certain degree yeah. and it was kind of the same thing in impact uh but yeah. the way it is now like he was he was my mexican mvp for this year and, and hey, i know work work smart work not not work hard work smart yeah <laughs> sorry who needs the flips <laughs> uh yeah i went vikingo as well i mean the, that man generally invents new moves every time i see him it's completely absurd and he is he's a level of stability that now i'm obviously i'm no fucking expert on mexican wrestling but even i from the outside looking in see nothing but a constant level of chaos across AAA. and vikingo seems like the stability that that company needs um it seems like 2023 he's gonna have more of an output in america uh which i think is gonna be obviously great for him um and 
you know, I'm sure everyone will be chomping at the bit to get a bit of him in their promotion just to see him do something that will turn into a gift that will go viral and make that promotion yeah. be the hot thing for a minute. So, you know. Yeah, promotions. Make sure to let the internet uh, do clips of your stuff so it can go out. There, there's plenty of problems with AAA and what they do and how they promote stuff, but there's one thing they do allow us. They, they allow people to uh, clip their shows without threatening emails and stuff so. i mean like <laughs> i'm pretty sure they'll take any business they can fucking take at the moment yeah. so yeah you know so uh japan mvp uh will osprey a tremendous year to, to, to say the least and uh he's well on his way in 2023 after that match this morning so a lot of uh a lot of tremendous matches this year with uh, will osprey uh I can't think of anybody else. You can go with Okada, uh, who who had a good year. Jay White, if you like that, sure. It was a fairly quiet second half for Okada. Yeah, it was. The thing with Okada is every time there was a major match, he delivered, but it wasn't like a he had like a banner year. Um, others stood out more, and Will Ospreay stood out more to me than. And Okada this year, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I can't think of anybody else who would fit that. But I mean, I'm sure there's others that in consideration, but to me, it was Will Ospreay for, for most of the year. Yeah, I can't. I mean, you said Jay White, he was kind of on my list, but I again, so many people were kind of tied at the top, so yeah, I, I, I'm willing to take uh, I'm willing to take Will Ospreay again. I um. I thought for a second, I was like, in some ways I could go with Keiji Muto just because of how much fucking chaos that man wanted to cause this year. <laughs> uh, God bless him. No, so Osprey is the obvious choice. And as much in the same way that I didn't want to pick Elden Ring as game of the year because it was the obvious choice, I don't want to go with Will Osprey as the, the Japan MVP. So I'm actually going to go with Julia, who okay. capped off the end of the year, uh, finally winning the... which. Honestly, it was destined to be. It was. It wasn't yeah. a case of if. It was when she would win the the World of Stardom Championship, but she was also the MVP of of, of the company over the year. Um, she won the five star Grand Prix. Uh, I think she either her or Kamatani were my high, was my highest rated female wrestler of last year. Um, I love her look. I love her presence. Um, I just, she's a star. She is a star in every yeah. definitive way that you can think of what you would qualify as a star. She nails every single one of those, those qualities. Um, like so, even, I yeah. haven't even watched a ton of stardom, but every time I see Julia, it's like, she should be the world champion because she has the presence. She has the look, she has everything. Um, the work, just go with her. She She's clearly like somebody they should really push and market because she has something that, that's very hard to like it, it, that it factor, I guess you can say that this quality where you just see her, it's like, okay, she's a star. That's you can't teach that. So it's, it's very special quality. She has, yeah. uh, and she had a great match with a uh, Siri. She did. I oh, was a fucking uh, tremendous match. Exploder onto the, off the stage. <laughs> that was something. It's not a move I would take. I know that much. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't take that move. Work smarter. Yeah. 
unless it's the main event of your biggest show of the year. At that oh, point, no. what are you talking about? Go, Don't go crazy. Entire time, nothing else. So with that, I have the last category B award, which is USA Canada MVP, and I went with John Moxley because he had a tremendous year. He he had he feuded with all the top talent in AEW, had tremendous matches with all the top talent each and every time he was in the ring. He bled a lot. Uh, he brawled a lot. Uh, I can't. I mean, there's other choices that as we'll get to for wrestler of the year, but. In terms of just overall match quality and who stood out the most this year, it's 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 a it's a, it's a big race. There's a lot of people you can choose from, but I'm going to choose John Moxley because I really liked his stuff this year. John Moxley deserves this award for one reason and one reason only. He got people every single week saying, "When does his vacation start?" <laughs> <laughs> If he that, was supposed to be on vacation, I think yeah. in, in, when the all out stuff happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, yeah, he was supposed to lose it all out, and then he was going to yeah. take a few weeks off and then come back at the dynamite in Cincinnati. And then everything went to hell, and he foregone his entire vacation. Everything, everything just went to hell. And then he came to work sick one week because he and Renee, I think they were both sick, and Renee didn't make it, but Mox said he had food poisoning, something like that. The man worked hurt. The man worked. Uh, like it threw everything that was asked of him. Yeah. I think he's an MVP. The only other person I think, like you said, uh, w- was Chris Jericho and, and we'll talk about him or at least I will when we get to wrestler of the year, because there's, there's a pretty strong case for, for Jericho, which doesn't come out of my mouth very often. Uh, that's true. And we'll get um, to that. Or we'll, I am going to go. I, I don't feel it's left field. Maybe it is. I don't know, but I'm, I'm going to stick. I'm going to bring up again, but I'm going with Mike Bailey just because like not only did was he one of the best wrestlers of the year but you name a promotion in 2022 that motherfucker was there having a four-star match with someone or another and like i you know i would have to see i'd have to look on on cage match to see who had the most matches of last year but like bailey speedball did over 150 matches and he was everywhere you know um just just an incredible body of work and at such a high level like it really is probably him and osprey that are neck neck and neck for in terms of match output and quality of match output um but i think that uh in terms of specific for for usa and canada i i think that um yeah i i have to go bailey i just he just had such a standout year um obviously you know he doesn't stand out in some areas he is not the best promo he's never going to be um but just pure from bell to bell and you know like he capped off the towards the end of the year of that 60 minute match almost 60 minute match with josh alexander uh just you know a phenomenal wrestler and i'm so glad that impact picked him up and he actually was able to have a run in a major promotion with, with television um I'm I'm so hoping that next year, maybe he can get out for like a best of the Super Juniors. Um, I, I think that would be tremendous. That would be amazing. So, yeah. but you know, we'll see. So with that, that's the end of the category B awards, and now we finally it's got there. Category A. All right. And now, I how, think... how how do we want to do this? Do we want to go? Uh, we'll go by each category, and we'll just 
go through our three, two, one, or do we want to go around to our three, then our twos or our ones? I'd say the first way might be a little bit quicker. I'm thinking the first way sounds no. better. All right, all right. Well, for this, I want to start with Joel. I'm going to let him lead the way, and we're going to start okay. with our pro wrestling match of the year. Starting from three, working our way down to your favorite one of the year. Let's go. Number three from Impact Wrestling, December 8th. Talking about Speedball, he had a almost 60-minute match with champion Josh Alexander. Uh, worth going out of your way for, they showed the match pretty much in its entirety from the way it was taped. Uh, just phenomenal. Those two worked very hard in a match that was that was cold. That's the only negative thing that I could say about this match was that it wasn't promoted ahead of time unless you knew the spoilers from the tapings. Uh, but I think that this was just the beginning for those two and uh, and their work together in Impact. So or or across the board, either way, uh, Alexander and Speedball. That's my number three. Number two, Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins from Hell in a Cell. Uh, there was so much emotion going into this. The reveal of the torn pack for Cody Rhodes was just big enough yeah. of a moment yeah. that everyone was like, "Oh my God!" You, you just heard the the audience absolutely collectively groan and lose their minds over it and the match was worked really well there was a really good story there so for that i give it number two and my number one was a dog collar match for the briscoes and ftr i uh, i really enjoyed the match there's there just nothing else i can say other than it was brutal it was bloody and the storytelling was there uh they capped off what was a really really solid three match feud uh so that's my number one is ftr briscoes in the dog collar match for ring of honor yeah, three solid choices. Um, the, I, I I went back and forth with a Hell in a Cell match because not only was it just a great match, but I feel like it's the most defining Hell in a Cell match in God knows how yeah. many years. Um, speaking again of work smarter, not harder, uh, Cody, like, what are you doing, man? Come on now. <laughs> but in some ways, it was perfect. It was the perfect way for him to be out of of the 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 spotlight for a good nine months because yeah. of this match and everything that hopefully they will take advantage of um come you know whenever he returns soon i imagine um yeah i i had a tough time deciding if that was going to make it or not it didn't just but i i fully understand anyone having that in their top three for sure um all right so i will give my three and you might spot a theme between all three of them and that is that they're all very very violent matches uh, my number three was uh, El Desperado versus Jun Kazai from Takataichi Despimania, which was probably the most emotional match of the year. And uh, Jun Kazai, uh, not someone I kind of think of uh, in contention for promo of the year, but everything about like the way this match developed. I'm not a deathmatch guy per se, um, but to watch someone who doesn't specifically do deathmatch wrestling come into it against a man who very much does do deathmatch wrestling and the dynamics between the two of them, the way the match unfolded, the violence of the match, um, the desperation of Desperado as he gets further into this match, just and the way it ends as well. Like, because I, you know, walks away with his uh, small daughter who God knows what the hell she must think of her daddy's profession. <laughs> Just uh, uh, an incredible display uh, of all the things that make wrestling the weird and wonderful spectacle that it is. Um, that was from the Just Tap Out promotion on 912. If anyone wants to find that one, it's well worth going out of your way to see. 
Uh, number two, I also have FTR versus Briscoes three from Final Battle. Just yeah, just uh, if you want to, if you're gonna have a dog collar match, it's got to be violent. It's got to be got to be brutal. Um, the Punk and MJF one was violent and brutal, but I think there's just I don't know. There was an extra level of spectacle that the Briscoes in particular uh, are known for doing, and I feel like the four of those just they just got it perfect on that night. Uh, but my match of the year, number one, from Double or Nothing, Anarchy in the Arena. I grinned from just mo- from the opening bell with uh, Wild Thing just blasting through the arena for half the match to the genius way to get that song to stop playing by destroying the, the sound PR to just just the, the, the iconic image of Eddie Kingston walking out, getting ready to set someone on fire. I don't know, just uh, an incredible spectacle of violence and insanity and an, a match that is very easy to lose the moments because you're trying to keep, you know, the vision on 10 different wrestlers in different parts of the arena. But I think that, like, not only were the wrestlers involved able to pull together something spectacular, I think the production of the match was put together spectacularly as well. And I... I haven't gone back and watched it in a while. I watched it like three or four times, pretty kind of close to each other. Um, I I do want to go back and watch it though because I I just I laughed and I I I grinned and I was just hands in my head going, "Oh my god, what am I watching?" Uh, just complete chaos, complete anarchy. How about that? Yeah. So that I'm next, right? Yep, Brian. Uh, so, my top three. Gunther versus Sheamus from uh, The Whale Show in uh, August. September. Uh, September, yes. Early September. Uh, they put on a clinic. You know, when, when I heard that this match was going to take place, I thought, wow, this is probably going to end up being a violent match. And it was. <laughs> they, Just a little uh, bit. Yeah, a little bit. Like they managed to have a very violent match in WWE without resorting to bleeding. I think maybe they bled. I I, I forget if they did or not. But uh, there was no blood without excessive no bleeding, blood. like you see in AEW. The uh the the chests were very red though. The chests even were very red. My, even true. from my seat, very far away in the arena. <laughs> yeah, you can see James. I, I I could see some red chests. So yeah, yeah. So they uh, they chopped the, the the shit out of each other. It uh. It was a very brutal, excellent match that you don't see often in WWE. It's it was very much a match you'd see anywhere else, but it, it, it's unique in that it took place in a WWE ring, which kind of told you like, well, maybe they'll do some things a little different in the future. You know, this is one of the first big shows under uh, the Triple H era, I guess you can call it. So. Uh, this really stood out as just being an excellent match. Uh, the crowd there at Wales was was hot for everything, so that helped a ton as well. And they had an excellent match. Can I just say, I I have a number of issues with basically most of the hires that Triple H has brought back, but the one thing <laughs> that I can't fault him on is Gunther. I, I think he yeah. has done just about everything right with him. He's not made him too much of a... a like a chicken shit heel in terms of relying on Imperium for his matches. Like he wins yeah. his matches because he's talking Gunther and he can. Um, and he's, you know, other than the name, and I wish he had the 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 actual music that he should have and not this generic whatever the fuck it is. 
Um, I, I think, you know, if, if we still had Vince in charge, he probably would have been fired by now. So I was if, about if, to say. Yeah, yeah. There, there was already rumors that they, he had given up on him before he, he yeah. retired. So if, there, if there's one thing that I can say for Triple H this year uh, that he's absolutely gotten right, no thoughts yeah. at all, it is Gunther. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, and my top two are actually the FTR and Briscoe's matches. Number two is the one from Supercard of Honor because that was an excellent like bloody brawl that was a standard tag team match but i mean it was far more than standard it was a bloody brawl dramatic especially dramatic um just a completely awesome match that lived up to the hype because this is the first match between the two teams two teams that are considered the top teams uh in pro wrestling and they had a high bar to set and they far surpassed that in their first match. So uh, I went with that for number two and number one is the dog collar match between FTR and the Briscoes that took place at final battle last month. Uh, this for, I was wondering if this was better than Supercard match and it was just more of a brutal match, just chairs everywhere and the dog collar stuff and just uh, just amazing. I, I definitely my favorite match of the year. Just the crowd was into it. Um, it's just brutal, and I think Dax Harwood is still recovering from that match. It's just, uh, just uh, just incredible stuff. I, I have to go with that. I, I can't think of anything else this, that this year that was as good and as bloody and as brutal as, as that was, and and. There's plenty of brutal matches this year, but that told the best story. I, I thought. I thought it just told the best story. So I went ahead and uh, went with that for my match of the year. Well, we've all got it in our top three, so um, I'm guessing that match was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I'm guessing, I, you know. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's let's bounce over to the best weekly TV show, and um, I'll just quickly start by saying the only thing I have on here is Dynamite because it's the only thing that I watched weekly <laughs> throughout yeah. 2022. Um, I uh, I have a limited amount of time to to watch my wrestling, and Raw is not getting three hours from me. I will occasionally jump in with SmackDown. Uh, I, I do feel that the second half of the year um, was better utilized in terms of showing, you know, the the story arc and the character arc with with everything with um the bloodline and they actually like the good wrestling happened on smackdown yeah. this year so smackdown did have a bit of a, a bit of an improvement but outside of that i i wouldn't have anything else i could say outside of dynamite which by no means was dynamite a perfect television product this year uh it has no. had its issues <laughs> I think yes. they are on a bit of an upswing at the moment. I, I do feel like um, they've course-corrected a bunch of stuff. Again, a lot of that was out of the hands of Tony Khan. They ended got... the year very strongly. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, he came out recently and, and spoke a lot of the stuff that happened with his mum, which, you know, that even the most fucking hardened person, the most focused person, uh, that sort of thing is going to take your mind and, and you're going to take your foot off the ball. And I get that. Um, but I, I think Dynamite is currently set up to, to you know, start the year strong. Um, and I guess we'll see uh, tonight of this recording. So I just have Dynamite. Um, it's probably an obvious choice, but it's it's really the only thing that I've watched. And hey, I enjoyed it most of the year. So 
I'll uh, I'll bounce over to you next, Joe. So my number three was uh, was SmackDown for many of the reasons you just gave. Uh, it got much much better once Triple H took over. Once we started seeing more cohesive stories being told and the wrestling there again. I've said this on other podcasts. Like it's almost as if somebody told the wrestlers to go out and wrestle because guess what they're good at. So. <laughs> There's a lot of that. It's playing to the strengths, and, I, and SmackDown has really been able to do that, and it's not a three-hour show, so two hours is, as we know, a lot easier to handle when you're trying to tell stories, uh, in a wrestling ring at least. So that's my number three is SmackDown. Number two for me is actually AEW Dynamite, and the reason for that being as good as it was, like we said, it wasn't that amazing all year round. Um, I can't even call it consistent, other than the fact that it ran – it didn't even run the same times every single week on the same channel every single week. Uh, That's true. But, but the show is the show. And, you know, I, I, I give my time to a lot of wrestling and, and Dynamite was, um, con- it was consistently entertaining for me, but it wasn't enough to be my number one, which I, and some people are going to be like, what the hell's wrong with this guy? Uh, I'm giving my number one to Impact Wrestling to their weekly product okay. because not just because I, I cover it for Fightful. And yes, that's, that's part of, listen, there's a little bit of bias there, but the show is cohesive. And I think that a lot of people who kind of cast impact to the side, they, they don't, they read the spoilers. They say, Oh, fine, whatever they're doing this. But what they don't see is a lot of the backstage elements that go into making the show more cohesive and make the storytelling make sense that set up a lot of the matches a lot of people see matches they think they're just cold they're just happening whatever and they're gone and then there's also some production issues but we're not going to get into that the point is if you look at the show from beginning to end every week it has a through line stuff is moving forward they don't really punt much unless it's thanksgiving and wrestle house is on other than that it's a solid show um i think it i think more people should be giving their time back to impact and I understand why people are hesitant to do it, but they're getting so much better and they're putting so much more into it. So it's my number one show. For this yeah, show. look, I look, I can't, I, I'm not saying this because uh, I, I do another podcast with Garrett Kidney, but it's, it's a completely fair shout. And I uh, I, I don't tune in every week with Impact, but I, I have watched more of Impact this year than I have in many, many years. It is a product that I champion to you know, I, I want it to succeed. Um, it's come out of a, a very low key, low period and has been put on like the best product it has in years. And it's reflected, sadly, not as much in the ratings, but certainly if you look at like on cage match, like match quality wise, I think this is, I think this is the best rated year ever, or at least since 2005. I can't remember exactly. I know Garrett put something out recently. So um, I, I, I'm yeah. just going to say this. I despise using ratings as the benchmark for what's good and what's not, especially in the impact realm, because they run on a, they run on a channel that they own and that not everyone has, right? Of they course. Of course. Yeah. And Access. I'm, yeah. I'd love to know their YouTube numbers because once they moved over to that membership where it's a dollar a month, I'm not going to show for them, but once they move to a membership tier where you can watch the show live or you can watch it a few days later, on their YouTube show, I, th- those views are the ones that I'm more interested in because the ratings don't really reflect the the genuine interest that could be or would be a part of Impact. Not I do have to ask. I do want to ask you, Joel. What did you think of a uh, Diener stabbing Eric Young to death? Loved on it. live TV. I have an interview with Diener out right now on Fightful.com. Go ahead and see it. I interviewed Diener. We talked about it. There's actually a huge. Uh, like circular moment to the storytelling of violent by design 
that that place where they shot it, that jail in Nashville, that's the mm-hmm. same place where Eric Young filmed the vignettes for his return. That's the same place where Diener did his uh, inoculation, or sorry, his, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? His, indoctrination. His indoctrination, thank you, into Violent by Design. And Rhino too. Everyone was brought to this jail. They, it, it was always this venue where they had the Violent by Design segments. For them to end it with Eric Young in that space, was perfect. And one thing that Impact gets away with, I'm sorry, I don't care if you hate the undead realm or all this stuff, they do it now, especially in such a good and entertaining way, in my opinion, mm. that they, they're allowed to get away with it. Wrestling is camp. Wrestling is bullshit at the end of the day. They take parts of the bullshit and they make it entertaining, or at least they do to me. And I understand why some people don't like Russell House or why they don't like the I, I, I did kind of like Russell House, actually. <laughs> I don't know why. It's stupid. It's but, stupid. That's I kind of liked it. But that's it. It's stupid. If you if you if you are okay with camp in your wrestling, then you're gonna enjoy impact. And so the problem when, that I have with it is that when you know when people die on in wrestling shows, it kind of reminds me of like Lucha Underground, and I never liked that. I never liked people dying. When people die in impact, they don't come back. Ali never came back and they killed her. Eric Young probably not coming back because he's gone. He's gone back to WWE. And once he's you never done, know, though, he told he so he told me in an interview a long time ago that he's getting closer to the end. And when he's done, he's done like no special appearances, no backstage producing. He's like, once I'm done, that's it. I'm fading into obscurity. And that's all he's going to go get tickets to the Nashville Predators for season tickets. And that's going to be the end of it. He's going to do a hockey podcast. But once he's out, he's out. And I think if that's it for a guy like Eric Young, when Impact kills somebody, they kill them dead. <laughs> that's it. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to ask that. No, it's fair. That's I just I, I understand why people feel that way when it comes to like some of the obscene stuff that they do or the extra stuff that they do. But it works for them. I I, I think part of it. I think part of it as well is like everyone was on board of it for like the first season of Lucha Underground. And then I think a lot of people got burnt out by it. So anything that is adjacent to that, they immediately attached to like, you know, to me, the problem was they immediately started like killing people. And I'm like, okay, I can suspend my belief for a lot of stuff. But when you start killing off like Prince Puma and all these people that I know are not dead, uh, kind of like, but they're yeah, not dead. Right. Their characters are dead. Yeah, right. But it's, it depends if you can suspend this. If you can suspend this belief that you're watching a television product, you know, because that's how Lucha Underground presented itself as yeah. a television product. Um, but it's, I, I guess, it's harder to do that when you are, or when we are, as you know, invested into wrestling to the degree that we are. Yeah. We obviously see it from, hey, like Ricochet. It was somebody who doesn't. I think somebody who isn't a wrestling fan per se, but likes watching that kind of stuff that like that, that liked watching Lucha underground. They could probably get into characters dying quote unquote. But um, for me who watches a bunch of wrestling and I see people dying, it's like, okay. Yeah. But we're also watching Whatever. people throw each other into ring ropes and people bounce back. You know, it, it's, it's, yeah, if, if, if we if we go into the Irish whip argument, we're going to be here all night. So I'm dragging this yeah. thing straight. Along. I didn't want to open a can of worms. I just Ryan, to see top my, three promotions. We're doing it. I said ninety minutes. We're doing three hours. Okay, okay. I'll get to my best weekly TV shows because it's 
pretty much like like your guys's um i'm probably gonna switch what i have here and i'm gonna go do a wild take i like nxt this year and for number three uh it wasn't great every week and actually the last couple of weeks have not been that great but i kind of like the characters they introduced i kind of like tony d i i, I kind of like tiffany stratton i kind of like uh you know axiom axiom is a is a Really great wrestler. He, he had really great matches with Nelson Frazier on that show uh, during the year. Uh, th- there's a lot to like in NXT. It's not perfect. A lot of people have one dialogue. A lot of dialogue is actually pretty bad. And obviously those th- these are people who are just out of the performance center and they're wrestling. And sometimes it's not good at all. But the really good stuff is really good. So I put that for number three. SmackDown is number two because, um, especially after Vince McMahon left, because I've just blocked all that out of my mind. All all this TV before that, the TV since uh, Vince McMahon's left, you know, SmackDown's usually the stronger show, and normally that's because it's two hours, and two hours is plenty, and a lot of the Bloodline stuff this year has been on SmackDown. So, and the Bloodline stuff is the best stuff in in, in WWE by far. So I went ahead and put that as number two. And Dynamite is... The the one other thing with SmackDown as well is they have the one commentator across basically any television product they have that I don't want to strangle in Michael Cole. Because finally, you know, Michael Cole doesn't have Vince screaming down his ear, so he can just be a good commentator again. He's a lot since since Vince has left. Because that's been the thing with WWE over the last like four or five years. Is that <laughs> I've had to watch it on mute because I just can't deal with the commentary. But like listening to uh, or watching SmackDown as much as I have this year, like it's like, oh yeah, Michael Cole. I fucking love Michael Cole and Taz back in 2002. And it's not obviously to the same degree. Like him and Wade Barrett have a different dynamic. Barrett is fine. I he He's perfectly a, a, a suitable color commentator. He's not as egregious as Booker T is. Um, so I think those two work well enough with each other. And I think that has played into as well while I, I've enjoyed SmackDown this this much more. Because, uh, yeah, Cole just gets to be a, a decent commentator again, which he's always been. He just hasn't had the opportunity to be that for like the last 15 odd years. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, he's really good. Um, I just think that he... He's somebody that used to be really derided. I guess that maybe that's the word. I, that's that's where I thought of because for so many years people have just been saying, you know, or at least I have, I've been thinking like this. I don't believe one thing this guy says, and it's because, and it was because for so many years Vince McMahon would yell at him or tell him to say this or this manufactured line, and it just never came across like something they actually say in real life. Now it's, and I mean, there's still moments where he's kind of like that because WWE has to push stuff. So he has to push stuff and push narratives and stuff like that. But he's really improved. And, and you know, it's, there used to be times where I just voted him for worst announcer. And now he's not even close to the worst announcer. But uh, EW Dynamite, number one show of the year for me, just, and, and I agree. There were some weeks there where I just, didn't see it i didn't just didn't connect with me but especially towards the end of the year i just thought everything was just spot on 
a lot. I mean, all the great matches you, you see in North America are pretty much in AEW. I mean, there's a few good WWE matches, and Impact had a very strong year and, and match quality as well. But just in terms of overall consistent, where can I see the best matches every week? It, it's probably on Dynamite. So I went with that as the number one show of the year. And uh, despite me talking about SmackDown and NXT, it wasn't really that close. It, it's, it's pretty much dynamite. I, I mean, there's you can make a case for Impact. You can make a case for other shows. But to me, this was the strongest um, uh, TV show of the year. All right. Why was <laughs> the number one TV show NWA Power? <laughs> see when you said you was going to do something like a, a something shocking we wouldn't expect uh i i thought this is where uh the nwa power truth of brian rose came in but <laughs> that was gonna happen thankfully no no all right. no, all right. no we uh we will jump over to promotion of the year and um by no means is has it been their strongest year but you know even a uh, a half decent half cut cooked version of new japan will still present some very very good wrestling um they've had some good stuff the the soup the new japan cup over this year was was really strong uh you know wrestle kingdom had its faults but it was still a solid show the minion was a solid show uh we had stuff like royal quest uh we had the best of the super juniors and stuff out of that it's not been a perfect year the clap crowd stuff still obviously is an issue but uh, by sheer force of virtue, they are still able to be an entertaining product. Um, and so, yep, yep, New Japan, number three. AEW, for everything that we've said here, and there's, you know, a thousand things more we could say, it still, most weeks, is giving me a, a half-decent match to enjoy. There have been some very compelling storylines this year. It's a product that has been hampered by a number of factors that were out of the control of not a number of people and we've already gone over all of that um not a perfect product not a perfect year but look AEW still is is a shot in the arm to the north american scene that we have sorely missed for 20 odd years so you know yeah. uh but my number one promotion probably won't come as a surprise considering stuff i've said elsewhere but stardom has just any major show i've watched uh it just has some of my favorite wrestlers some of my favorite matches of last year um i i love the presentation i just uh there's something about female japanese wrestlers where sometimes you're just like is it because you're small that you don't realize how violent you actually are uh i i had a small irish chiropractor once who beat the shit out of me and i think it was just because she was a little old lady and she didn't know how strong she actually was I feel like it's the same sometimes with with female Japanese wrestling. Um, just yeah, just just an excellent year, um, which has been a consistent theme for them for the last couple of years now. And I expect twenty twenty three will be uh, just just as strong. So yeah, stardom promotion of the year for me. Uh, Brian, I'll bounce over to you. Well, uh, number three, I went with WWE. Actually, I didn't think I'd, I'd ever do that, but. Uh, they finished the year, the second half of the year. They had some pretty good matches, and I would not offer them for number one. It wasn't even that close, but in terms of just thinking about like where were some of my favorite matches of the year, you know, including Gunther and Sheamus. I mean, it was it was in WWE, so I decided to put them at number three. Number two, New Japan. They had. I mean, it wasn't like a, a banner year for them. 
I think the golden era of New Japan was like 2012 through 2020, kind of like when the pandemic started, and they're still recovering. Some of their stuff still isn't that great. I think the King of Pro Wrestling stuff isn't that great. And there, there's some other stuff that, that I can't think of off the top of my head. Where the, the House of Torture stuff, I think, is terrible. Uh, but the top matches of the year usually delivered. Will Ospreay, Okada, Jay White. I mean, all, the, all of them are, are, are great wrestlers. So uh, they're at number two. AEW. I think is a promotion of the year, and and like you guys said, he it wasn't like everything was great this year. I think last year was better than this year, but in terms of just match quality every week, um, there wasn't really much of a choice. I mean, there, there WWE can't do the stuff that Dynamite does every week, so I'm pretty confident that they're the promotion of the year. It wasn't as strong of a case as previous years but they still managed to to win in my eyes yeah i got that i do um i think i have a similar argument as well when i get to mine so uh my my number three was also wwe because uh after vince mcmahon stepped down things started getting better they're not Mm -hmm. they're they're far from perfect i think we're going to see a lot of the bigger changes this year in 2023 Uh, than we are, you know, this past few months because we got to take it slow. This is a this is a whole new venture, and you don't want to just rock the boat immediately. So, WWE was number three for me, uh, and then you know what? I actually I tied two and one, and I it was a tie toss up between Impact and AEW uh, for a lot of the same reasons I explained earlier. I do it again here. I think AEW when they would put on pay per views or big time matches, they delivered. Again, that's more of the wrestlers finding their. Uh, their pieces than anything else but um yeah i just there's not a lot more that i can say AEW didn't have a banner year they still had a solid year but uh impact also had a very very solid year with some really good storytelling and some not so great storytelling but overall i just i tie AEW and impact together because i see them on the same field in terms of their wins and their losses No, I, I get it. I like. Um, I, I do think that um, again, you know, Impact had their their strongest year in some time. So um, if someone was to come to me, I, I don't even consider it a contrarian take. Like I, I do think that uh, this was, yeah, definitely the strongest Im- year Impact has had in in some time. So that I, you know, you, you say that to me, and it doesn't come to my ears. Like, what the fuck is Joe on about? No, it's it's a it's a totally fair take. All right, the show. Go watch yeah. the show. <laughs> all right, we have four categories left, so let's get rocking. First of all, best on interviews, best promo of the year. I'm going to stick with you, Joel. Uh, I feel like a couple of our takes. I, I feel like we we might be crossing streams, but we will see. Uh, but I'll, I'll start with you, Edward Kingston, number three. We've already discussed him for most charismatic. Uh, I just bring all of those same points back up to best on interviews. When I sit and watch him, my eyes are glued to the screen because there's something that comes from him that just exudes just solid charisma and greatness on his interviews. Uh, My number two is Kevin Owens. Uh, KO is so good at doing things like calling back the memory of wrestling fans when WWE didn't do that. 
when he can bring up the past and make it work and make it make sense, I think he deserves that. He's got great storytelling, great abilities. Uh, and then my number one is MJF because let's face it, when he left and when he came back, eyes were glued on him. He continues to deliver again for everything I say that I take issue with when it comes to his, uh, to his overmodulation and screaming. He's still really good. What he did with Regal on the way out was phenomenal work. Got to put that over forever and ever. Um, and I will even add an out of the blue honorable mention. It's not an interview, but it's actually someone that if you're going to do a most, uh, most well-rounded interview it's thea hale from nxt because if cocaine was a wrestler thea hale would absolutely be it i can see that she did something a night a couple nights ago on nxt where she's the cartoon character (laughs) character in nxt i'm not fully serious but i do think people need to watch thea hale because her acting in all of these scenes is just perfect she, she, she's spot on with what she, they, they want her to be so she's very spot on with that yeah yes so those are my three mjf number one kevin owens number two eddie kingston number three uh so i because of what you mentioned there about the screaming and the overmodulation, i have mjf at number three um i i think that if you don't have mjf on your top three list i do feel that would be a contrarian take because for the little things that you can pick at the man is just far too talented on on the microphone. I do feel he is at this issue. He he has this issue going forward now, where there's the boy who, boy who cried wolf thing. Where if he is ever going to be a face again, and the, the 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 period of time where he was doing that kind of tweener thing, even at the time I didn't buy it. I was always just like, look, the turn is coming. Not well, not the turn, but the the oh, I was a bad guy all along is going to come. And obviously it did come. And I feel like that's going to be an issue that's going to stay with Max for his career. Um, but I think he's a, a an eternal uh, heel. Like he's a lifelong heel as far as I can see anyway. Um, but regardless of, of that minor thing, look, him, Punk, Punk is my number two. You know, those two alone Um that that feud alone takes up the the first two positions on this list uh just everything with those two the believability the realism the authenticity they're three words that mean the same thing but they're all valid um and cm punk just you know just what a what a reminder of how great a promo that guy is unfortunately probably you know maybe the best promo he cut is the one that pretty much got him fired but look this is punk this is what he does you're always playing with fire um it, it is it is a shame that what happened happened we'll see what happens maybe he'll come back i doubt it uh but then my top two eddie kingston he's my number one he just it, there's such a a believability and an authenticity but you don't have those issues that you have with mjf where you're constantly waiting for the wall to be pulled over your eyes you, you don't have to deal with that part of the chicanery the um the constantly working you sort of thing just it just i don't know with eddie kingston you just get eddie kingston pure raw unfiltered if anything i think my biggest issue is that he wasn't utilized as much as he could have been this year i don't know if there are reasons why personal otherwise no idea but it's like the first half of the year you know kingston ran away with it and that was enough to get him over the line i just wish we'd had more in in the second half um so yeah, Eddie Kingston by far number one with a bullet. 
Yeah, for, for me, number three was a bit uh, it was a, it was a little bit open. You know, Kevin Owens, I think, is pretty good. I, I don't really have a problem with putting him as number three. One that I did put down was maybe Ricky Starks, especially towards the end of the year where he just had the, these epic promos with MGF. I thought that really put him on the map. And even though, you know, there there's hints, you know, that you know, he's really good. He's he's always been a really good promo. I remember his promos back in the NWA before he came to AEW. I thought he was very strong there. And and throughout his run in AEW, he's been very good. He really started to break out, though, with the promos with MJF. And now we're seeing it with Chris Jericho, too. And interesting to see where that goes heading into 2023. Uh, but number two, Eddie Kingston, for all the reasons you said, Mark. I mean, he's very good. He's he, he's excellent, actually. He's really, really excellent. And he has a connection with the crowd that, again, you, you really can't teach that. Um, he's really, really good at connecting with people and, and just amazing delivery on, on everything. I, I always... I'm a big fan of Eddie Kingston promos, and this year was really, really good. But MGF, I think this was his year for promos. I went with him for number one because uh, just the the stuff that he needed to do to level himself as a world title contender. Uh, and you know that there, I can I understand the criticisms. I know a lot of this stuff is low hanging fruit, and I think even himself has has said that in his promos and other people have as well. But, you know, when, when you deliver those kinds, when those kinds of lines and you, when, when you deliver those lines at the level he is doing it at, and when he's able to connect with a crowd in that way, whether they're booing him or, or cheering him, he's really damn good at it. And I can't think of anybody else in a, in recent pro wrestling history, really that some of the promos he's done, I can't think of any other, person who's able to do those promos at that level especially at that age i think he's only 26 and he's probably only going to get better as he becomes a world title holder and a world title level competitor so i went with mjf i i eddie kingston's pretty close there's nobody really else in AEW who's at that level of eddie kingston or MGF, but I think MGF is is the promo of the year. I, I, can't, I can't really think of anybody else who would take that spot. All right, we're down to the final three. Brian, I'm going to stay with you. We've okay. made it to the tag team of the year. Uh, once again, I feel like there's probably going to be a, a couple of picks that are going to be across the board, but hey, we have to go through them anyway. So, Brian, give me your number three. Okay. Um... I'm looking at my list. I'm not sure about number three. I went with the Usos because they had a pretty strong gear as tag team champions, and they've had some good matches on uh, WWE pay-per-views. So I decided to go with them, but I'm pretty sure there's other teams that could probably take that number three spot. I, I went with the Usos mainly because they they had that championship run, and uh, the, the Bloodline stuff is, is very good. Uh, number two, the Young Bucks. They're one of the best teams of all time. Um, just very consistent all year at being an excellent tag team, whether it's teaming with Kenny Omega or just doing stuff on their own. Just a lot of great matches this year with those two. 
and FCR. FCR is number one. I can't really think of who else would be in that spot. Um, this was their year. They, they, they won titles all over the country, all over the world, in, in AAA and in New Japan and, and in AEW and Ring of Honor. Uh, the matches with the Briscoes elevated them to this spot. Uh, and there's countless other matches that I can't think of off the top of my head, but I, I mean, every single big match, Aussie Open, the Aussie Open match in, in London, every single match that they had this year was excellent, over delivered. They just know tag team wrestling. And this was the year where they solidified themselves as one of the top tag teams in pro wrestling. And I am excited to see where they, what they do this year. And, there's a lot of things that a lot of directions, a lot of directions they can go in this year. But uh, for 2022, I mean, this was their year, and I can't think of any other team that would. Uh, the Young Bucks kind of come close because they're just consistently that good. But it, it, it was FTR's year. All right, Joel, what do you got for me? My number three are the Young Bucks, mainly because they did have a bit of drop off in the middle to the end of the year. Uh, the pretty good reason why. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they they were they were doing really well, and then you know what the stuff they're doing in the trios with uh, with Kenny right now has definitely boosted their stock back up. But to me, it was you know the tag team, not trios of the year. But the Young Bucks, uh, the, yeah, they'll sit at my number three for now for this year. Number two are the Usos. I think we talked about this. The Bloodline has been uh, really the the A one story on WWE, and the Usos winning and then. Uh, Combining and making the undisputed tag titles was a big deal this year. They continue to dominate uh, their tag division in WWE. They're also just wildly entertaining, whether they're doing singles or if they're doing any other sort of configuration matches, tags and trios and so on and so forth. Uh, Usos hit my number two. And the number one, Brian, just like you said, FTR had one hell of a year collecting titles, defending them where they could. Uh, and then they had a really, really, really solid like full year story arc with all of these titles and what they're going through right now. There's a, a, a really interesting, um, not just the wrestling is really good, but also the way that their characters are, are just working the way that they're emoting, the way that their storytelling is evolving. There's um, there's some really good stuff going on with FTR. Just, you know, get Dax away from a microphone on, on a podcast. <laughs> nah, he's fine. He's fine. Yeah, FTR, FTR hits my number one for tag teams. Yeah, um, number three for me, I've got the Briscoes. Um, look, it's off of the back of three matches, but they're three of the best matches of the year. So I think that's got to count for something. Yeah. Um, they did actually start the year; they were hopping around in in GCW um, and having some like wildly entertaining brawls that were very like harkening back to uh, the the kind of like golden era of the Briscoes in in ROH. Uh, which is a very refreshing change of pace. Uh, they, you know, they had a, a cup of coffee in Impact. They won the world titles there. Um, you know, like you could say there was potential they could have done more there, but obviously everything is is kind of an interest, interesting place with them. Um, if they had been allowed to be on uh, TNT or TBS, like God knows <coughs> what kind of year they could have had. Um, but just off of the off the back of those three matches, um, you know, they solidified themselves. They already are one of the best teams of the 21st century. Uh, you know, anyone that doesn't think that, and I still don't think either of them are 40 yet. That's that's the fucking crazy thing. Yeah. Um, so they still got many, many years to go. Uh, 
I just we just need to get them on of products that people can actually see you know that's that's the thing um but you know here we are number two uh aussie open uh really a, a kind of breakout year for them it feels like they've had a, a couple of breakout years but this is like the actual breakout year now um it is surprising to some degree that they weren't the opponents for ftr wrestle kingdom um Personally, I like Bishimon. I like Goto and Yoshihashi, but I, I would have preferred Aussie Open. I imagine this just means that Aussie Open will win the titles at some point in 2023. Um, but yeah, just, you know, really putting them on, on the, the wagon with uh, Osprey was an inspired move. It makes sense. They fit together. Um, and as, as you know, like we had a bunch of like the, the trios matches and stuff they did in AEW, which was, was tremendous. And I'd love to see more of them there, but you know, I imagine uh, New Japan is going to be kind of where they'll be sticking for 2023. And pff, look, come on, fucking FTR. Like, what even needs to be said? Um, and not only just them as a tag team, but you know, Dax has had actually a, a pretty standout year singles wise. Uh, yeah, yeah they're a really good year well. singles, singles matches. But it's it's just the consistency. That is the thing. Yeah. Um, where we've complained with other wrestlers where they either didn't have a first strong start of the year or they fell off. Across the board, FDR have just been consistent anytime they've been on TV with a range of opponents. Um, they've been the bill collectors. It's been well-deserved. You know they've lost them all now. Um, what 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 is next for them? Who knows? But you know if if they end up going to greener pastures, like you know twenty twenty two has been just a hell of a year for them. So yeah, uh, I think that's the first category. I feel like maybe we've all been uh, kind of solid, consistent on our number one. Um, but I don't think it comes as a surprise. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right, getting down to the thick of it now. Most outstanding wrestler, and I will start with uh, I'll start with myself actually. Um, most outstanding wrestler number three, I've got Mike Bailey. Doesn't come as a surprise. I've mentioned him across a bunch of other categories as well. I'm not going to repeat myself. Just a, an inspired level of work across different companies, different continents. Um, can just about wrestle anyone and have a tremendous match. Uh, it's just been so great to see him come back after, obviously, the uh, the the visa issues he had and the lack of ability to get into North uh, into uh, America for five years. Uh, number two, John Moxley. Again, we've mentioned him elsewhere. Just you know, the the man who refuses to take a holiday or you know for for a number of reasons. Um, he deserves a well-earned rest at some point in 2023. God bless him. Uh, go spend some time with your wife and your child, you know, please just for all of us, uh, let, let your earlobe heal up finally properly as well. Oh but, yeah. Uh, yeesh. Um, and Will Ospreay is my number one, you know, just, look, uh, I, I'm, I'm not, can't even include the fucking match that I just watched with him today, but he's probably uh, yeah. already got match of the year sealed up and we're four days in. So, you know, uh, he's not slowing down and I don't think he's turned 30 or I think he turns 30 this year. Um, and, he's young. You know, I, I look at, I have my star rating sheets for like the last four or five years and Osprey is in the top three every year. So I don't know. Uh, I, I don't even want to think about how tired that man must feel already at the age of 30, but um, just uh, it's, it's 
the thing with him, and this is not to say that Moxley or Bailey uh, uh, suffer from this because they don't as well, but you really like there's nothing less than 100% from Osprey. Um, you know, even Okada at this point, he he has the ability to dog a match here and there, and you can't really blame him. He's been one of the, the hardest working wrestlers of the last 10 years. But with Osprey, doesn't matter if he's in front of 300 people in Southampton in England, doesn't matter if he's on AEW television, doesn't matter if he's in front of a clap crowd in, uh, in Tokyo. That man just gives nothing less than 100%. And, you know, uh, it's... It speaks to his passion for this business, and you see it in the quality of his work. So, yeah, uh, Will Ospreay, most outstanding wrestler. And uh, Brian, I'll bounce over to you. Well, I had TBA and TBA for two and three, but I'm thinking about it, and it's like I can go with John Moxley for number two because he's had, again, I've said it before, and I'll, I'll say it again, probably after that too after this too but um just tremendous here for him just really really good uh matches up and down the card he's always very consistent very consistent at being very bloody and very good so i have him as i'll put him as number two number three will probably be phoenix i just think he's had a very strong gear too whether it's teaming with uh, pentagon or just doing stuff on its own i think he's had uh, every time I see him in the ring, he he just reminds me of how good he is. So I think that's a very simple number three. Uh, number one is Will Ospreay because I can't think of anybody else who's uh, just consistently main event level, just tremendous. Uh, I, he he's just incredible. Um, now say what you want about him, you know, outside the ring, but inside the ring, I mean. Just incredible. He's an incredible wrestler. And not only can he do cool stuff, but he is a very good, he's very good at selling. He's very good at telling a story in the ring. Uh, just, he's had an incredible year. And by the, by, the, by the way, it seems like 2023 will also be a very incredible year for him because he pretty much had uh, one of the best matches ever. So I, I can't, uh, can't say enough good things about Will Ospreay. He, in terms of most outstanding, it's it's. I think it's to me, it's pretty clear he's number one. I went completely in oh. different directions from both of you. Okay, my number three this year for most outstanding wrestler is Bianca Belair. Mm. This is somebody okay. who put on some great matches in her division continue to prop it up at a time when there was a lot of uncertainty, uh, especially once Sasha and Naomi left, yeah. Bianca was put into to a position to maintain and continue building a division with not only a title on her back, but also a lot of different competitors and different styles. Uh, and she's found a way to have chemistry with almost all of them. And I think that's a testament to knowing how to do it. Uh, in in such a short amount of time as well. Remember, she's she's PC trained. She is not somebody who has been, you know, at it for several years. And I think that kind of goes into my feeling as to why she deserves to be uh, put into this category. My number two is someone who had a career resurgence this year, and it's still WWE. It's Sheamus, and this is a guy who, you know, again, I know it's become his tagline, the banger after banger after banger, <laughs> but he did it. And he continues yeah. to do it. And he was, you know, two years ago, 
he was about to retire because his neck was so messed up and his back was so messed up. And then he got himself a tag team to work with. And, you know, it, it sucked for a little bit, but now that things are being rebooked, uh, there's a lot of potential there and he is putting on really, really solid matches. I think that deserves a shout out for most outstanding wrestler. And, and just to, I just to go with you on there on Seamus as well, because I, you know what, he's a completely, he's a shout that I, I can't argue with because not only everything there as well, but the simple fact is that man for me was like in Dolph Ziggler territory of just, I never want to see this man on my screen again. And yeah. he was pretty much there. Yeah. But you are absolutely right. It's a complete revitalization of, of his career. And, you know, again, I was there like for Gunther and Sheamus and I fucking, I, you know, I love that match. And the, the brawling brutes thing at its core conception was very cringy. And oh, yeah. like, I still don't like the fact Pete Dunn is called Butch, but you know we'll look past <laughs> yeah. that. But yeah, I, it's it, it's a really great shout. It, it's really an improved great. act, to say the least. Yeah, yeah. So that, now you know why I gave that number two. And my number one most outstanding wrestler is Josh Alexander, the Impact World Champion. He's a guy who continues to listen right now in Impact. All he's all of his matches have been well, almost all of them have been really, really great and very different. Uh, his story the entire year when it comes to his championship has been, I'm going to beat all the ghosts of impact past and that's worked. It hasn't been awful, but, uh, he, whenever he gets in the ring, he delivers and I can't really say anything negative about, uh, the matches he's been having because they've, they've stood out in one way or another. Uh, and by the way, spoiler alert, my wrestlers of the year are completely different from this list. Okay. Mine kind of, well, not really. <laughs> I do have a different number three, but yeah. Well, we, uh, we're here now. We're here to now determine our top three wrestlers of the year. And look, Joel, you, you uh, hit us with the, the bait there, so I might as well stick with you. Um, give it to me. What do you got? My number three is Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho this year stepped up in a way that I don't think many people expected, uh, especially with his Ring of Honor world title reign. Uh, he also stepped up as someone who AEW can look to further as a locker room leader with all the punk stuff and everything that was going on. Uh, yeah, th I'm not always the biggest Chris Jericho fan, but he did a lot to get me back on his side when it comes to his in-ring work. He did stuff with guys like Bandito that I didn't think I'd see out of him. I made jokes that he was going to never take the 21plex, and he took everything from Bandito. Same thing, like Don Castle, same thing. He went out and had matches with these people, and I think that deserves a lot for Chris Jericho this year. My number two is Speedball Mike Bailey. We've spoke about him ad nauseum on this podcast. Uh, Speedball absolutely delivered this year, uh, and he told some pretty great stories in the ring. Say what you will about his in-ring promo or he just just his, his talking on the mic. It's not always the best, but Speedball is my number two. My number one is John Moxley because if you want to talk about a guy who went above and beyond inside, outside of the ring, was in everybody's mouth, not literally, but you know what I mean by that figuratively. John Moxley checked all the boxes, won championships, carried a whole entire wrestling organization on his back when it was dealing with some really stupid shit. Uh, and people will say that he's really good at it. He was a great spokesman for AEW at a time when they needed it uh, and a great leader. So Moxley gets my number one for wrestler of the year. All right. I'll, um, 
I, I, I'll, I'll go first and you can round okay. us off. Uh, my number three for wrestler of the year, uh, I already mentioned her previously, but Julia, um, not only was she one of the, the top stars, uh, one of the top wrestlers of stardom, but I feel she was one of the top wrestlers in Japan as a whole in 2022. Um, and again, for everything I've mentioned, I think she's just a complete package. Uh, I, I think she has everything. And like, I just can't wait to see what <laughs> happens next for stardom in, in 2023. And I think she's the perfect wrestler, the perfect, um, yeah, she's just the perfect wrestler to, to lead them this year. Um, yeah, so so Julia is my number three. Number two, Will Ospreay. Everything I've mentioned, the one thing I will say is that, and you really got to see this with the uh, the promo that just happened before the, the Wrestle Kingdom match with Omega. He very much has this, like, Essex gangster type character that he's going for and he's going for it but there is there's a level there's a there's a we keep saying the word authenticity um that just he obviously has the accent down because he is from essex but he's so heavily relying on using foul language um <laughs> but that can't every other word was f yeah, but that can't compensate for the fact that there is a believability to him that, that doesn't come across with that. It does in his wrestling and everything else, but it's the one area, and I don't know what the answer is. It's it's you know, I'm I'm not the expert on this, but it just it comes through. Um it unfortunately so. Uh so it's the one thing it's the one chink in his armor that he still needs to figure out. Um but my number one, look, Joel, John Moxley, like, come on. Why? Well, what can you say? Just uh, carried a, a company in his back. Um, the, you know, I understand why they put the belt back on Punk, but for me, arguably, I would have never taken it off of Moxley again. I'd have kept that fucking thing rolling with him. Um, just, yeah, just, just cut. Just the Moxley, I think, that we've all been wanting to have from a major promotion um that has you know been able to utilize him um this was the most effective year that we got from him and everything just came together so and you know just had banger after banger um so yeah moxley all right brian lead all us right, into the finale so number three roman reigns i think he's had a tremendous year uh just really, really has settled in on this character that has, he has grown for the last two, three years. And this year it really came into play. Uh, strong matches all year with the likes of uh, Brock Lesnar and others. Uh, Logan Paul, the, the match in Saudi Arabia, far delivered uh, any expectations I had. Um, just essential to WWE storytelling and, and and just everything, uh, and he did a very good job of carrying that. So, uh, to, to me, I thought he was an easy number three. Uh, an easy number two is Will Osprey. I think if he had, I think if the crowds weren't so only clap only, I think if you know he's an excellent wrestler and he had a very strong year. Maybe if he had. The title, you know, I, there, there's a lot of what, how I would have voted for him for number one, but I think that it's just that he had a tremendous year in spite of New Japan. Still, they are still very much 
no clap, uh, clap only. I think that's going to change in 2023. But, um, yeah, I mean, for, for me, it was an easy number two just based on match quality. He's had a very strong year. Um, number one, John Moxley. I, I mean, I think he is the guy that carried AEW for all this year. He didn't take any vacations. He was there every week, whether it be on Dynamite or Rampage, and he's out there bleeding and ha- uh, kicking everybody's butt and having excellent matches with just about everyone you can think of. Uh, t- to me, it, 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 it was a tough choice between those three. It was all pretty close, in my opinion, and if anybody picked anybody else, I wouldn't have a problem with it. But John Moxley edges out those guys, in my opinion. I think he's he 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 is the choice wrestler of the year. Chris Jericho was number four, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I do have to give him credit for for the ROH run and and all that. That's bad. well, look. It's pretty unanimous. Uh, I think we are all in agreement. We, it's a, a harmonious decision we've come to that John Moxley uh, is, in fact, wrestler of the year. Um, and with that, we have finally reached the end of this mammoth undertaking to uh, to rank and qualify everything that happened in 2022 in the year of wrestling. Uh, first of all, I want to give a massive, massive thank you to Joel uh, for joining us on this. Uh, it's very much yes, appreciated. Thank you. Thank you for having me. We will see where we are next year if we if we can endure this ordeal once again. But uh, we would be more than happy to have you back on uh, whenever you have the, yes. the spare time. Um, where can the fine folk listening find you? I'm not hard to find. I am at Joel Pearl, J-O-E-L-P-E-A-R-L, on all forms of social media. Uh, I host on Fightful.com every Thursday night, the post-impact wrestling show. And you can find me and a plethora of other wrestling takesters over at Fightful Overbooked, youtube.com slash Fightful Overbooked. Thank you very much once again. Uh, Brian, as always, thank you again, uh, certainly for doing this off of the back of watching Wrestle Kingdom, you poor bastard. Enjoy some much-rested time as soon as you can get it. Uh, As always, you can find him at BR26 on Twitter. You can find me at Lifting Project. Uh, This is the wrap-up. At some point, I guess we'll record our December recap as well, but... (laughs) I was gonna say tomorrow, but I'm like moving it to another day because I'm I need one day where I I, I bought a, a a steam uh deck for my Steam Deck and I haven't even used it yet. I kinda wanna like take time to like not think about that's fine. Rest of we, our we, day. We, so we can we can push it to next week. That's not an issue. We can take yeah. this off there. Uh thank you for anyone listening. Very much appreciated. Uh please listen to uh all of this, listen to all the grab ups, listen to all of the links to the cast content. Um, and yeah, we have a very happy 2023. And here's to more excellent wrestling in 2023. Thank you once again. We'll see you soon. <laughs>